You are listening to the Phenom MLB Show on the Phenom Media Podcast Network, powered by the most passionate young sports analyst in the game. If you're looking for creative, informative, and high-quality sports content, you've come to the right place. Phenom Media boasts a team of over 100 youth contributors from around the world, covering every sport on every media platform. Make sure to follow Phenom on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as all of the Phenom podcast channels for daily content. The link tree in the episode description includes a direct link to all of the aforementioned platforms, so click on that to access everything. If you enjoy the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so more people can discover the podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome back to At The Dish, presented by the Phenom Media Baseball Show. I'm here with my co-host, Jasper Abrams. How are we doing today, Jasper? You know what? It's Sunday. It's kind of dark out. The snow's coming down. It's been a while, but we're ready. Ready for some action and ready to talk some baseball. Big moves last week. Let's Boy, dive right into there it. A lot. Boy, was there a lot of moves last week. So uh, we're going to start with, you know, a re-signing, but I would say a pretty big re-signing. JT Realmuto back to the Philadelphia Phillies on a five-year, $115 million deal. Um, and in addition to that, the Phillies also yesterday re-signed Didi Gregorius, their shortstop, two years, $28 million. So how did those moves affect the Phillies? Obviously, they were on the team last year, but this NL East is so good that are the Phillies a fourth-place team still? Well, that, that brings up a really good question. Uh, when, when you re-sign JT Ramuta, one of the best catchers in baseball, if not the best, um, that puts you in a strong, in a strong place lineup-wise and defensively-wise. Uh, with with Didi, Didi Gregorius also, uh, it's, it's a great signing. But the Phillies are, are in a very strong NLE's division. Uh, they, put, they have the right pieces, but I, think, I, I don't think they have enough to, to compete with the Braves, the Mets, and the Nationals. Yeah, I really don't either. I think the Phillies with these moves, I mean, yes, they did sign Jose Alvarado. They got Archie Bradley. So they improved the pen a little bit, but I'm still shocked that they didn't go and get Brad Hand, who Brad Hand signed with the Nationals. But I, I just, I don't see the Phillies doing anything better than fourth place. Yeah, and you're, I, I think you might be right. Uh, if the question that's circling my mind is if the Phillies are low on money, low on revenue, why would they re-sign JT Riomuto for five years, $115 million, if they know they're not, they're not headed to the postseason anytime soon? Yeah, I, I, I kind of understood it because he last year played like he was the best player on the team. He, he played better than Bryce Harper did. And for them to give Harper that much money a couple of years ago, the fact is, is that they created a window where they have to win with Harper because if not, the contract's a huge bust. I mean, this past year, they, dra- they drafted uh, Bryson Stott, the year before they got Alec Bohm. So the left side of their infield, Stott is going to come up most likely after Didi. Didi's going to bridge them. But um, the left side of their infield looks strong for the future. I really like Alec Bohm. Um, 
they got to get a full season out of McCutcheon. I mean, Harper is going to be Harper. Ramuto is going to be Ramuto. But I think some big outliers are definitely going to be they got to find somebody to play center field. And then Reese Hoskins and Andrew McCutcheon have to stay healthy and produce for this Phillies team to be good. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. The left side of the infield, Alec Bohm and Scott, uh, very, very strong prospects looking to make the big jump this season and if not next season as well. Uh, McCutcheon and Reese Hoskins are, are the questions for, for the Phillies. They have to stay healthy in order for them to compete in the NL East. Yeah, and they also need to find a number three starter behind Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go up north. Boy, did the Blue Jays make some moves. Their biggest signing, George Springer, six years, $150 million. I mean, what else is there to say? Springer's probably a top five center fielder in baseball, and I think that he's going to be sensational, um, kind of helping develop this young talent in Biggio, Bichette, uh, Guerrero, Teoscar Hernandez, Alejandro Kirk. I think this Blue Jays team is definitely headed in the right direction. Yeah, this is a great sign in any direction, any angle you look at it. The Blue Jays certainly on the rise. They have the young prospects. They went out, got got their top guy, top player on the board, George Springer. They locked him up for six years, $150 million, put him in center field. Uh, he could be used as top of the lineup guy. He could be used as a veteran to, to uh, teach and educate the younger players in Boba Shett, uh, Kevin Biggio, Vlad Jr., uh, but personally, looking on the outside, I'm a Yankees fan. You're a Yankees fan also. And I'm scared of the Blue Jays, to be honest. Uh, they have the pieces. They're certainly on the rise. The pitching rotation is, is looking very good, very strong. Uh, do you think in a seven-game series they could take down the Yankees? I don't think that they, that they have the pieces yet in a seven-game series. I think that in the future, definitely. I just think that this offense – the Blue Jays offense now, besides um, George Springer, is very, very inexperienced. Um, they've only played three playoff games really together, or two actually, against Tampa Bay this year. So it was definitely – they're definitely headed in the right direction. But I don't think that in a playoff series, the Yankees, you know, they're one of the MLB's best. I think that this year the Yankees would 100% win but give it two or three. You know, Toronto's – definitely headed in the right direction. They also made improvements to their bullpen. They signed Kirby Gates, who two years ago was probably the best closer in baseball. He had an injury-ridden season last year, and he wasn't too great. But if Kirby can get back to himself, that is huge for Toronto. Yeah, and you could compare the Blue Jays this offseason to the Padres this offseason. They just acquire whoever they want for whatever price they want. Uh, like you mentioned, Kirby Yates, George Springer before. And they also acquired Steven Metz, uh, a one-year deal as well from – well, not a one-year deal, from the Mets, actually. Uh, so they just keep adding pieces, keep adding to their uh, repertoire and to their arms as well. So quality moves uh, north of the border for the team. Now, I do kind of find it interesting that the Blue Jays traded for Steven Metz because you never want to have a good lefty pitcher – in the American League East because it's all right-handed heavy uh, hitting teams, and these are right-handed heavy hitting ballparks. I mean, Yankee Stadium, it's ballpark for everyone to hit at. But um, look at the Green Monster. That wall in Camden Yards in left field isn't so uh, so far away from home plate. Like, I just – I don't see why they did it. Obviously, they do need pitchers behind Nate Pearson and Hunjin Ryu. 
uh, because Tanner Roark is, is not the answer. Um, so if Matt's can get back to himself, it seems like with a bunch of these signings, if they can get back to themselves, look, there's a bunch of teams that could be headed in the right direction, and Toronto is definitely one of them. Yeah, for sure. Toronto's on the rise. Uh, Steven Matt's, I think his role will be certainly minimized uh, from last year and the years before when he was on the Mets. Uh, he was utilized as a number four, number five starter in New York's rotation, and I think he will be used the same, if not less. Uh, maybe Toronto could could push him towards a relief pitching role, uh, get some innings here, get some innings there. Uh, middle of the game, certainly an arm that could push you and bridge you towards the bullpen. So I, I like the signing of Steven Matz to Toronto. Yeah, they definitely still need bullpen health. I mean, Jordan Romano as your eighth inning guy is definitely not the answer. They they can work on that, though. Um, I just think that the Blue Jays, they will have this division in their grasp in two seasons. I think the Yankees' window is now really, really short. So the Yankees got to get going. And the Yankees have definitely made some moves because they realize how good Toronto is getting. So they just traded for Joe Musgrove. Sorry, mistake. Jamison Tyone. Joe Musgrove just went to the uh, Padres. But they traded for Jamison Tyone, other Pirates starter, and they didn't really give up that much. They gave up – I mean, the best guy they gave up was Miguel Uruguay. He threw a couple innings for the Yankees this year. Yankees fans love him. He's Miggy Yahoo. But um, I just – I think that the Padres – sorry, not the Padres. The Pirates – I don't really know what they're doing. Obviously, they got Key Brian Hayes to build around, but one guy is not enough. They have O'Neill Cruz, but I don't know what direction the Pirates are headed in. They keep trading their star players, and they're not even getting back top 100 prospects. If you're in the Pirates, if you're a Pirates player, how do you feel right now? Like, your whole team is basically just getting traded. Uh, you feel heartbroken, to say the least. Uh, if this is, this is the same for the Cubs. They traded you Darvish to San Diego. And what looks like, what looks like to be a rebuild uh, in Chicago, they just didn't get anything in return. They got some, some 17-year-old prospect from Venezuela who's not looking too good, uh, a mid-range prospect as well. Uh, but all in all, this, this can't happen for the Pirates and this can't happen for the Cubs. So I'm not really too sure what direction – uh, Pittsburgh is in but there's one more thing I saw on Twitter the best player on the Pirates is not even on their team not even in their organization it's their first round pick their number one overall pick this year Kumar Rocker uh, he's still at Vanderbilt and looking to uh, transcend and push the Pirates back into contention in 10 years maybe five years maybe eight years maybe so uh, Pittsburgh certainly something to look forward to in Kumar Rocker yeah, but it, I don't think Rocker's enough to put the Pirates over the top. Like, he's one player, but you look at these teams, one player is not enough. So, yeah, it, it'll get you over the hump. Obviously, they need some role players. They need bigger prospects. But Kumar Rocker's the best thing that happened to Pittsburgh in, since the Steelers making the postseason. So hopefully, you know, Pittsburgh doesn't end up trading him like they did Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now and Derek Cole. They always like to trade their stars, it feels like. So that division, the NL Central, is extremely weak. But there's one team that seems like they're the only team that wants to make a move. It's the St. Louis Cardinals. A couple days ago, 
Jeff Passan, Ken Rosenthal, bro, put a bombshell out. Nolan Arenado, in my opinion, the best third baseman in baseball, gets traded to the St. Louis Cardinals for $50 million in cash. Not even a top 100 prospect. How much did the Rockies get fleeced? Well, not even talking about the Rockies first overall, uh, but let's, let's, let's head back to St. Louis for a second. Uh, like you mentioned, the NL Central is kind of weak, not, not the strongest division. Uh, I saw a comparison on Twitter, every division spending this offseason money-wise, free agents, trading, whatever. Uh, the NL Central was under $10 million, and every other division was above $100 million. So that goes to show how weak uh, and, and how non-competitive the NL Central is. And moving on to Colorado and Nolan Arenado. Uh, before the trade, the Cardinals were the easy favorite to win the division. Maybe the Reds possibly could sneak in there. But once they acquired Arenado, they're, they're on easy pace to, to own the NL Central for years to come. Yeah, I, I really don't see any other team. In my opinion, the NL Central is going to go first place Cardinals, second place Brewers, third place Reds, fourth place Cubs, and Pirates in last. That's really not a strong division. They're only going to get one playoff team. It's going to be the Cardinals. There's no other question. Now, the Cardinals re-signed Adam Wainwright, Uncle Charlie, um, one year, $8 million. Uh, it seems like Wainwright will never leave that organization. Yeah, he'll, he'll just keep, keep coming back to the city that he loves, St. Louis. Uh, One-year deals after one-year deals. I mean, it's not a bad signing. He puts up solid production numbers, solid wins. I uh, guess the innings that needs to be done, uh, but it's the the city uh, just loves him and he just wants to keep coming back and uh, hopefully make a postseason run for St. Louis. Well, Adam Wainwright is one of the best postseason pitchers of all time, um, and his battery mate Yadier Molina, you would think he's going to come back to St. Louis, right? Yeah, for sure. If when they sign Wainwright, they have expectations to bring along his catcher as well, Yadier Merlina, uh, future Hall of Famer, obviously on the decline, but this is a this is a they need to they need to resign him back in St. Louis. I think that this is gonna be the Cardinals like last run at at a World Series with this core. I think that after this year with Yadi and um, Wainwright most likely retiring at the end of the season. Um, I think that they're going to build around Arenado. They're going to build around Harrison Bader, Paul Goldschmidt, Paul DeYoung. Um, and I think they're going to look to the future. Yeah, and that's a solid core. Uh, building off of Nolan Arenado, one of the best players in the game and the best third baseman in the game. Uh, and across the diamond, you Paul Goldschmidt at first base. If not, he's top five uh, first baseman as well. So when you have those those key pieces on either side of the diamond, you're, you're in solid shape for a rebuild. Yeah, I mean, look, if you have Nolan Arenado, you, he can single-handedly bring you to the playoffs like he did the Rockies. Now, I'm going to look at the Rockies. I think it was the smart decision to trade him because that division with the Padres and Dodgers, look, they're a third-place team at best. So I think that it was smart to trade him, but what they got back is only is just 50 million. Like, 
You can go the MLB. There's no salary cap. It's just a luxury tax. Look, you got to resign Trevor Story next year. Great, use that money. Go over the luxury tax. Fine. You got to get players back for a player of that caliber like Nolan Arenado. If you're Arenado, you got to be so happy that you're going to a winning organization now in St. Louis. And if you're a Rockies fan, you just got to feel like I'm straught. I don't even know how I'd feel. I would. I would see probably the best player since Larry Walker in this franchise leave my team for just money. Like, I, I don't even know how I'd feel. If, if, if opposing teams were able to vote whether this trade would go through or get vetoed, I guarantee you 99% of the teams would veto this trade because it's certainly unfair for Colorado. They just get $50 million in return, and their odds are they're not even going to go out and land a big free agent, uh, and and they gave away a top ten, top five player. I, that just can't happen for Colorado. It definitely can. There's no other way to say it. And yes, they're probably going to resign Trevor Story next year, but it's a loaded shortstop market. Um, and it, it's like if you're in the NL West, you have to be so happy with this trade. The fact that the Rockies didn't even get Nolan Gorman back from the Cardinals is absurd. Gorman is one of the best corner infield prospects in the MLB. And look, the Rockies, they could use that at third base. Daniel Murphy just retired, so they lost their, I mean, I guess there's no DH. They lost their first baseman. So the Rockies, besides Trevor Story um, and Charlie Blackman, who is good? Raymel Tapia, Brendan Rodgers, Kevin Pilar. This team is not good at all, and I think they're going to be headed to finish in last place in the NL West. What, what confuses me is that they traded Nolan Arenado, obviously didn't get anything returned, but there's been rumors about the Rockies extending uh, Trevor Story and re-signing him. How does that, how does that make sense? If, if the team's obviously on the decline, why don't, why don't you just, just trade him for one because year? Because Arenado is so much younger. I'm sorry, Story is so much younger than Arenado, and I think that shortstop is more valued position in baseball than, it is, than third base is. And um, look, Story is a free agent at the end of the season, and I would imagine that he re-signs in Colorado with, for a big deal. Now, what they could look to do is trade Charlie Blackman um, and try to get some pieces back and rebuild around Story and I guess that'll basically restart it. But you know what? In Colorado, they're never going to win because no pitcher wants to come there because of Coors Field. It is impossible, basically, to do well at Coors Field as a pitcher. Yeah, and describing the altitude, obviously, the other teams in division, uh, the Dodgers, certainly a powerhouse. They made it to the World Series in consecutive years. Uh, and they also have a loaded farm system, ranked one or two, I believe, uh, in, in MLB.com. Well, we but, got Gavin Lux, Dustin May, so yeah. Yeah, for sure, no doubt about it. Uh, the Dodgers are certainly on the rise as the number one team in, in baseball, and that's certainly scary for the teams in the in division and certainly the National League. Uh, but besides the Dodgers, you had the Padres creeping up uh, who who just, just landed and got loaded with a super team uh, led by Tatis, Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, the, NL, the NL West is certainly the Dodgers and the Padres for years to come. 
Yeah, and then you look at like third place team. I think the Diamondbacks probably come in third, Giants come in fourth, and you get the Padre, you get the Rockies in last. So the NL West is going to be a two-team race. Now, let's go to the AL West and talk about the Houston Astros. They re-signed Michael Brantley, two-year, thirty-two million dollar deal. He kind of I'm not going to say fulfills that George Springer role because obviously Kyle Tucker will go out to center field. They'll have Brantley in left, Reddick in right, and they'll have Jordan as their DH. But um, how big was this re-signing? Because if they would have lost Michael Brantley and George Springer to Toronto, Houston would look into a full-fledged rebuild. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Correa, obviously, I think he'll be out next offseason uh, in addition to the loaded shortstop class. Springer's out, obviously, uh, and and Brantley, they they re-signed him two years, thirty-two million. Uh, I think I think this is a, this is a start of a big rebuild for Houston, and they're gonna do it around Michael Brantley and Forrest Whitley, the uh, the rising pitching prospect. It feels like Forrest Whitley has been a top prospect for so long, like he could just never make it up to the MLB. I think this year will finally be the year for the uh, heart-throwing sinker baller to come up. Um, and now what do you expect from like a guy like Jordan Alvarez? He was out almost all of last year. He played in like three games. If he can come back and play as well as he did his rookie season. Well, he had, he had a dominating rookie season, obviously one rookie, the rookie of the year. If I'm, if I'm not wrong, uh, out last season, like you mentioned, but there's a big question surrounding Jordan Alvarez as his production level this coming season, the, the Astros obviously not, in contention, they lost some pieces. The injury, uh, the injuries just keep building up. But I think Jordan Alvarez, he he was healthy this offseason. I and I think he'll be ready uh, to prove himself this season with the Astros. So now, if you were to take a guess, who wins the American League West? Um, why, why don't, why don't you start off with, with All right, I'll start it. I think that the Oakland A's will win the division. I'm going to have the Astros coming in second, the, the angels in third, listen, if the angels sign Trevor Bauer, they will win the division, the Mariners in fourth and the Rangers in last. Why, what, what's the thought process behind Seattle in number four? Well, I mean, I just think that they're up and coming. They got Kyle Lewis, Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, Evan White, J.P. Crawford. So they're definitely up and coming. Marco Gonzalez was a very, very good starting pitcher this past season for them. They got Tom Murphy behind the plate. Uh, they got Kyle Seeger at third base. So they got a good mix of veterans and, um, and young stars. I'm curious to see how Jared Kelnick's going to play. And Julio Rodriguez's bat is unmatched for any prospect. That's probably the best pure hitter in this prospect class besides Randy Arozarena, maybe. So um, I think that they're probably going to come in fourth, but look out in the future. They're going to be really good. Yeah, the Mariners certainly on the rise. Uh, my prediction for the NL, for the AL West, excuse me, uh, is the Oakland A's. I think they're head and shoulders above the competition in the AL West. Uh, Houston can't really compete anymore without, without the big stars. Uh, Seattle is certainly on the rise. Not This isn't their year yet, but down the road, certainly big things to come. And the Angels, uh, they could creep up on you in this division and certainly give the A's a run for their money. 
if they do land Trevor Bauer and the number five spot in the AL West, the Texas Rangers. Uh, obviously, nothing much going on for them at the moment, certainly in their rebuild. And you won't really see any postseason, any success down the road for the Texas Rangers. Yeah, I mean, so last year at the trade deadline, Joey Gallo trade talks have came up because Joey Gallo does not deserve to be on that team. He is too good of a player to, to be on such like a way. They are wasting so much potential because that team is so bad. And Gallo just keeps putting up numbers. He's one of my favorite players in baseball. I would love to see him on the Yankees. Um, but besides Gallo and Lance, oh, Lance is now on the White Sox. So besides Gallo, this team is not good. Who's their next best player? Einer, Kinsler, Falefa? Like, like really? Exactly. They're, they're not good. Yeah, no, nothing really going on for Texas. Uh, they, they need to get Joey Gallo out, kick the rebuild button, and reload on the prospects. Definitely. So now we're going to go back to some Yankees talk. Um, so sadly, after seven great seasons as a Yankee, Masahiro Tanaka has returned to Japan on a one-year $7.7 million contract. Um, I loved Masa. He was just brought um, unmatched energy, I would say. The clubhouse, Tanaka was a big part in uniting that clubhouse. I think that a lot of other starting pitchers really learned from him, especially the young ones. Um, and Masa will definitely be missed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you, throughout his time as Yankee, you just, you just loved him and loved him more and more throughout his years. Uh, he was, whenever the game was on the line, his name would be called and he would get the job done. Uh, he threw some complete game shutouts, which can't be forgotten, obviously. But his, his spirit on and off the field, his spirit in the clubhouse, his spirit in the dugout as well, uh, just brought energy and brought life to the New York Yankees. And whatever Masahiro Tanaka does, you can't really hate him at all. Uh, he was just a lovable player, certainly got the job done uh, as, as a highly anticipated prospect coming over from Japan. Uh, and with him departing, you can't really ask for any more as his time in the pinstripes as a New York Yankee. No, you really can't. And the thing is, it's like, I'm going to miss John Sterling's calls. The sun will come out. Tanaka. Um, there's, there's like the little things is what I'm really going to miss. And I'm um, just seeing Ma Masa pitch every five days. Is, it's kind of special that we got to watch that for seven years. I really wish Houston didn't cheat and Masa could have got a chance to go to the World Series. But um, now the Yankees, look, Hal Steinbrenner has stated that he does not want to go over the luxury tax because they're going to have to pay Glaber, Judge, Gary in the future. So they've been really trying to stay under. And the Yankees, to clear cap space, have traded right-handed relief pitcher Adam Adovino to Boston, basically as a salary dump, $9 million kind of just cut off. The Yankees barely got anything back. Um, so this money was spent on Darren O'Day, one year, $2.5 million, who O'Day is good when he's on the field, but he tends to get hurt a lot. And that's what I felt a lot of the Yankees moves have been. They pick up a lot of these injury-prone players, which can be scary. But what I think the Yankees really need to do still is re-sign Brett Gardner because they need a left-handed bat because they're falling off the market and the Yankees really only have in their starting lineup, the only lefty they have is a switch hitter. 
Aaron Hicks. Yeah, re-signing Brett Garner, obviously on the top of Brian Cashman's to-do list. Uh, even, if, if it, even if it's just one year, which odds are it will, uh, it would be a great signing for the New York Yankees and as well for Brett Gardner. Uh, he provides a solid lefty bat, solid glove in the outfield, uh, and a veteran as well. So he could impact and teach, teach the rising players uh, how to deal and how, how to become a real Major League Baseball player with the experience Brett Gardner has. Uh, he's been to World Series. He's been to the postseason. Uh, he's been through it all. So Brett Gardner needs to come back to the New York Yankees sooner rather than later. I mean, absolutely. And there's one thing, though. If he comes back, he unites the clubhouse. But please, Aaron Boone, have Clint Frazier be the starting left fielder on opening day. Clint has been in Gardner's shadow for way too long, and I just need to see him playing. He's one of the most energetic, fun players in baseball. And just I love – I smile when Clint Frazier's name is penciled into that lineup. Yeah, Clint Frazier gets too much hate that he certainly does not deserve. Uh, his outfield skills are very underrated, to say the least. Uh, he'll make the diving catch. He'll go up to the wall and collide in the wall and make that catch, save the run. Uh, he's certainly been under Brett Gardner's shadow for, it seems like, forever and a bit too long. Uh, and the Yankees are just wasting Clint Frazier's time and Clint, and Clint Frazier's talent by doing this. So I think this is the year that Clint Frazier earns the starting position on opening day and has a sensational year in pinstripes. I, I really hope so. Um, I love when Red Thunder plays well. So the Yankees, or I should say Brian Cashman has stated, because Gary Sanchez said he doesn't know why he was not starting in the playoffs. I mean, it's obvious as day that Higgy played better last season than Gary did. So now if you're Aaron Boone, obviously besides when Cole pitches, because when Cole pitches, Higgy's always the catcher. Who would you have as your starting catcher this season? I, I would have to go Gary Sanchez in this question. Um, obviously, if Gary Cole's pitching, you favor Higashioka. So that would make Higashioka the opening day starter. But that's one out of every four, every five days. And the remaining days, I would have to go Gary Sanchez. And if I'm Aaron Boone, I would walk up to Gary Sanchez, get in his face, and say, get your SHIT together this season. And uh, that'll give him some confidence, get his morale going. And Gary Sanchez needs to have a big year this year to prove himself. Yeah, if Gary doesn't have a big year, honestly, I don't see him as the Yankees catcher again. They're just going to ride it out with Higgy. And, look, they drafted Austin Wells in the first round last year, so maybe he could be the catcher of the future. So, I mean, the Yankees lost a player. I'm not so angry about it. I'm sure you're not either. Jay Happ signed one year, $8 million with the Twins. I mean, the Twins need starting pitching, but I don't think Jay Happ is the answer. Yeah, and we saw his time during, during uh, being in pinstripes. He, his stuff wasn't that great. He had some injuries. He had some, some early run issues in the first inning as well. Uh, but I don't think J.A. Happ is the answer to anyone's questions to, to be in the starting rotation. Yeah, definitely not. And now, like, the Mets kind of had the same feelings about their catcher last year, Wilson Ramos. He signed um, a one-year, $2 million deal with the Tigers. 
he got made fun of all the time last year for being too fat, overweight, didn't care to run to first base. I mean, I kind of agree with them. If you watch him play, he just doesn't show any effort. So he's going to Detroit, basically sent to the shadow realm is what he was done as the Mets signed James McCann. Um, let's see. So there was rumors, just rumors, but the Blue Jays were in on Chris Bryant and Kyle Hendricks from the Cubs. Do you see this trade possibly happening? You said the Blue Jays? Yes, the Blue Jays last week, because um, they won either Arenado or Chris Bryant because they don't trust Vladdy's fielding over there at, um, at third base. We'll, we'll get to this in a second. But the Blue Jays also signed Marcus Simeon, who will most likely be playing second base for them. So I guess this question is kind of out the window. But we can talk about them trying to trade for Kyle Hendricks. you think this would be – I mean, obviously it would be helpful. Do you think this would um, benefit either side? Well, I think the Cubs, there's one question on their minds that they have to be afraid of is what are we going to get in return uh, if they get fleeced uh, for example, in the U Darvish to San Diego trade, they got pretty much nothing in return. And if you deal Kyle Hendricks, you can't let that happen again. Uh, so if they do ultimately send Kyle Hendricks north of the border, they have to get at least something in return. But I think, I think the odds on this trade are low. Uh, I think Chris Bryant needs to be moved out of Chicago, get the rebuild going. Javier Baez is out next year as well. So I think the Cubs need to start making moves sooner rather than later. Right. And, you know, from base, the Blue Jays, they're just – they keep making moves. They signed Marcus Simeon, who came two years ago, came third in MVP voting in the American League, finished ahead of DJ LeMahieu. So Simeon has good potential to be a great second baseman for Toronto. Um, now, another really good defensive shortstop, Andrelton Simmons signed a one-year $8.5 million deal with the Twins. I mean, the Twins have Jorge Polanco, but clearly Simmons is better. Simba Simmons is – I mean, he might be the greatest defensive shortstop that baseball has ever seen. He, he, his defensive war is off the charts. It's better than anyone's ever seen. I know he, he needs to work on his offense, but you have Simba as shortstop for you. You kind of just have him for defense, and you're okay with him batting nine. So what do you think the Twins – are going to do with Simba Simmons? Well, he's certainly an overlooked, uh, well, an underlooked player at the shortstop and second base position, Andrew Then Simmons. Uh, he's, he's done his production out in LA for, for the years, for previous years, uh, but his defensive abilities and defensive skills rank him on the best in the league. And when you go on YouTube and Google and search up uh, Andrew Then Simmons highlights, You'll, you'll be found and directed to an hour's worth of infield highlights, diving plays, catches, double plays, uh, and anything else in the realm of possibility. So Anderson Simmons can do it all. And personally, I love this signing for Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, you're going to find those highlights are a foolish baseball, baseball bits on if he should be in the Hall of Fame. So clearly it was a good signing. The shortstops are flying off the board this year, but next year the class is completely loaded again. So Jock Peterson, a couple days ago, signed with the Cubs. One year, $7 million. Thoughts on that? Kind of the same thing as Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure why they made that move. 
Uh, obviously rebuilding, but I don't think Jock Peterson is the answer to any question for the Cubs. Yeah, it didn't really make sense to me. If you're trying to rebuild, why sign an older player like Jock Peterson? So now this is a very, very heated topic we're going to get into. The Hall of Fame. Nobody got in. In my opinion, the writers, the baseball writers of America need to either step their game up or we need a different way to get these players in the Hall of Fame. Because you can't tell me that Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling, or Roger Clemens are not Hall of Famers. Yeah, I'm going to have to take, take your side in this argument. Um, zero Hall of Famers, that, that can't really happen. Uh, when, when you're trying to grow the game, expand the game to many different levels outside of the, outside of the country um, or practically anywhere to the youth as well, uh, you have to have the elite players headlining the Hall of Fame classes each and every year. And this year, no players got in. I'm sorry, but that, that's just unacceptable on behalf of the baseball writers of America. It's completely inexcusable. Next year is going to be a very, very, very debated class because Clemens Schilling Bonds in their final year of the ballot, A-Rod Ortiz, so very steroid-heavy um, ballot. In my opinion, A-Rod is actually probably going to get in, not next year, but eventually because he's kind of rekindled his public image. But I kind of feel bad for Bonds because I don't think that Bonds gets in next year, nor does really anybody significant. They should be, but... Definitely should. Are they and will they? I don't think so. Odds are low. Odds are very low. So final question, kind of one more big prize free agent. We've been talking about him forever, Trevor Bauer. I'm going to ask you this every week. Where do you think he's signing? In my book, I think it's down to two teams. Uh, and one has the heavy favorite. It's between the Angels and the Dodgers. Um, I think Trevor Bauer is headed to the Angels. I think he's going to the Angels too. Now, you say the Dodgers instead of the Mets? Yeah, I, I believe the Dodgers aren't contention for Trevor Bauer. Um, they're just trying to compete and prove they're the better team in the NL West and in baseball, to say the least. Right. I mean, so... There is one interesting thing. So in Trevor Bauer's recent vlog, he said that he was going somewhere on Monday in California, and the words got bleeped out. And if you depict what it seemed like he was trying to say, it looked like he was trying to say sign somewhere in California. But he said Northern California. So I'm thinking to myself, what are the teams in Northern California? The Giants? No, they're not signing him. The A's? No, they're not signing him. The Padres? Where do the Padres have this money? They got to pay Tatis. So, if in my opinion, you're right. Probably the Angels. Some team in California is going to land Trevor Bauer. Yeah, obviously, I don't think he's headed to the AL. Obviously, I would love him on the Yankees, but that that's obviously not happening. Um, but Trevor Bauer is certainly one of the most confusing, one of the most polarizing figures in baseball. Uh, he, he makes – YouTube videos, he makes content on his free agency prospects. He has a top five list. He describes where he likes to play, where he doesn't like to play. Um, so that just, that just confuses the minds of baseball fans. And anything Trevor Bauer says will be used against anyone. Uh, him and Rachel Luba certainly just own Twitter, own baseball Twitter. And They're go very controversial. Anyone in sight. Yeah, they're, they're extremely controversial. 
the two of them, but you know, I love the content that they put out. So that's going to wrap up this week's edition of at the dish. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week.